0: Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, right here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio, WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting to you from the top of the historic Habern Building here at 106.5 FM. And we also live stream to you anywhere you are in the world with an internet signal. You can pick us up at forwardradio.org. Hey, while you're there, why don't you chip in a few bucks to help keep us on the air? It is people like you, my listeners, who are are supporting this station, keeping us going strong. For nearly five years now, we're going to celebrate our five year anniversary on April 7th. Uh, And it's it's all because of contributions from people like you, chipping in maybe $20. You'd support this entire day's broadcast. What a steal for a great community treasure like this. And you can do that at forwardradio.org. And then we're also, the reason it's so affordable is because we also rely on volunteers like me making this radio magic happen. So uh, if you want to get behind the microphones or maybe behind the scenes, To help us out here at Ford Radio, just go to fordradio.org and click on participate, and you can become a part of the station too. Well, what we do here on Sustainability Now is bring people in from around the community who are doing the good work of sustainability. And one organization that I always love to highlight is Project Warm. And so I'm so excited to have their new program manager, Courtney McLaughlin, here. Welcome, Courtney
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's so good that you're here. We connected like right after you got here, uh, and and you were like, wait a minute, let me get settled in a little bit more. <laughs> Are things feeling a little settled? Yes, yes. I'm
1: so happy. I'm so happy to be here. Like I said, it's my first time being on the radio. Well, and,
0: welcome. Like
1: I just feel so cool in these headphones. I know, right?
0: <laughs> It's so great to have you in the studio with me today. (laughs) We're going to have a great time talking about serving the energy needs of people in Louisville. Yes. Uh, And that's what Project WARM has been doing for, is it decades, right?
1: 1982, almost 40 years. Wow. So, yeah.
0: And I remember uh, Project WARM used to be on my bike commute to work there on Shelby, right? Yeah. But you all have moved.
1: Yes. So we're at 800 South Preston Street, and the location is a little bit confusing sometimes because it's in the building of Youth Build Louisville. They have the same address as we do. Um, And so we're on the corner of East College Street and 800 South Preston, our door is on the back right side of the building. So you'll see our sign. But um, yeah, I always like to tell people who are picking up a kit it's on the back right side of the building. So, but you know, we still have people up front of, of youth build who can hand out a kit as well.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. So, uh,
1: youth build is our partner and our, our fiscal agent as well.
2: Oh, yes. so
0: so that's kind of a newish collaboration with youth build. Right?
1: Yes. Yes. So like in terms of, you know, the, like history of project warm. I was going to talk about that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, people are familiar with that, that youth build campus, I think. So maybe it's an easier place for people to find at least. Yes, definitely. Yes. So how has the organization evolved over time?
1: So project warm, you know, started in 1982 and You know, been around almost 40 years at this point which is just crazy and um, the organization has been smaller at times and then bigger at times um, depending on the funding and who is in charge I think Walter Lay was the first person who was the director Um, and I honestly don't know much about him because he retired in like 2009 Uh but I know more about I started in July so you know I'm pretty new to the organization Um, Frank Schwartz is a name that I hear all the time Me from too. everybody Good friend
2: of mine. yeah and
1: he started I think right after Walter and I think retired in 2016 if I'm Sounds not about for right. sure yeah. but there's just been a bigger amount of staff and a smaller amount of staff they've been really closely partnered with WeCare care um, at one point which I'm trying to get you know partnered back with them again WeCare care is LG E's weatherization organization as oh. well so they do a lot more Extensive work than we do. Um, We do very basic, but we want to do more. But you know, we want to find where that line is because if we can refer people to them who are going to do that job, um, then we can do that. But they did kind of a partnership where they kind of followed in the tracks of We Care, and they just picked up, you know, certain clients. Okay, we can do this now. Um, We can forward you to this person, kind of thing. Um, They just were like closely knit together. Um, So you know, the leadership. Has fell fell through during COVID. There was um, Matthew Hudson. I think he he resigned, and the organization during COVID kind of shut down because our work is very direct.
0: In person, yeah, yeah. It was very you it's very it direct, virtually.
1: and we still are. Yeah. So um, that's just the type of organization we are, and, and a lot of organizations. I think you know it was very hard in the moment. Like what's happening? Like I was in AmeriCorps Vista at oh, cool. that point too. So. I was in an organization where we were doing direct service with families who were homeless um, or at risk for homelessness. So, doing programming for them and just trying to brainstorm and think, how can we still help while doing this? It was really hard. But there are those organizations that keep going and keep pushing. And so, when the leadership fell through, it, Project Worm really couldn't do much. Yeah. So, until um, Youth Build took Project Worm under their wing, so to speak, and acted as an administrator. In 2020, 2020- and then so once that happened, I mean, they didn't have, you know, a lot of the direct work that we did during COVID. But once they took us under their wing, we were able to, like, get back on track. Yeah. And um, I think me being hired in July, just plugging in all of those things and getting Project Warren back on track was what really helped. <laughs>
0: yeah. And how many staff are there now?
1: So it's me, and then there's Lisa. She's a director of community engagement, but she's only part-time, so she really doesn't have a lot of time to, like, interact with the community and – like we would want to because mm. of the part-time she's really focusing more on you know getting all the clients that we have in their mm-hmm. paperwork processing applications and stuff like that we do have a weatherization specialist right now we got a new one his name is Don nice. um, before him was Mark McKinley so yeah. he was with the organization for like s- six years or so or you know off and on but uh, most recently six years I think
0: and co-founder of forward radio we love yeah
1: Mark yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And then there's me, and we just hired a volunteer coordinator. He's an AmeriCorps member for eight months, but he has the choice to renew for another year after that. So All I hope right. he does.
0: <laughs> Great. So you got this solid core of staff, but of course you rely heavily on volunteers, just yes. like this station, yes. right? So yes. how do people in the community help out with the work of Project Form?
1: Yeah, so um, I think our biggest helper with volunteers currently and in the past has been the Retired Service Volunteer Program, and they are actually an extension of AmeriCorps. Oh, Um didn't know
2: that.
1: It's seniors 55 and up. Nice. And we, I think, have been closely involved with them mostly because, you know, our volunteer hours are during the day yeah. when people are working. Yep. And so they are able to have that free time and so they've been helping out with us and it's been the same members for years and years and years even though you know there are a lot of different seniors who are a part of RSVP who are not helping with Project Warm, they're with other organizations, yeah. so to speak. So um, Chris Clements, who is the head of RSVP, I'm working with him on, um, you know, gr- recruiting more more volunteers for RSVP because I think right now we have probably five or six committed. Okay. Uh, it used to be around ten or eleven. Yeah. And then also with our, you know, new volunteer coordinator, Delano Ray, he just started this week, and so he's just going to be training with Don. And getting acquainted with all things first line, which I'll talk more about, okay. first line weatherization, before he, he begins that recruitment and, and partnering process with other organizations.
0: And people in retirement are able to do this work because it's fairly, it's not heavy lifting necessarily, right? So talk a little bit about the kind of work that the volunteers
2: are doing. In
1: yeah, definitely. So first line weatherizations, with, which is what the volunteers will be doing throughout the, the year, and then, you know, there's different volunteers from different organizations who help with the Blitz, which is, you know, a yearly in November, thing. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But first line is primarily focusing on weather stripping doors and windows, um, caulking and sealing around the windows. We can repair minor holes in the walls and doors with drywall or other air, air sealing techniques. Um, and then also we can replace locks on the doors and installing deadbolts and things like that because we focus on safety as well so if someone's door isn't closing or locking I mean that's a safety issue but our locks right now we had a grant and we purchased so many locks and we realized that they all have different keys and like that can be fixed with some things like there could be like a bigger quantity of one with just one key because some people need locks on all their doors and like yeah. they don't want a different key for every lock. Right. But anyway, you're learning every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's just one thing. But we want to we want to figure out how we can do more. But again, not overstep our line because we don't want to do too much. We're basic weatherization. We, we do those basic services, but we also want to educate the community and those workshops are a big part of that which i'll talk about as well
0: yes i'm glad you forward promoted that a little we're coming up in march here there are some great workshops that uh the public are welcome to to learn about energy conservation in their home and we'll give you the details in a minute about that Mm -hmm. Um, but this work is really important i mean you mentioned your prior work with americorps about serving those at risk of homelessness and utility bills can be something that put people at risk of homelessness
1: oh yeah oh yeah so there's just a Whole bucket of worms or can of worms, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Yeah, So, you know, these workshops are absolutely vital to that because if we are not educating the community and we're only doing services, or if LIHEAP, do you know the organization LIHEAP? Yes, LIHEAP. If LIHEAP is only paying people's bills, then what is that doing? I mean, people aren't learning how to really be self sufficient and lower their own bills. And so they're just going to keep pumping money out every year. And for what? Yeah. So, you know, that is an issue. And again, with Project Warm and the leadership falling through with COVID and everything, it was like these workshops kind of stopped too and got some scheduled last fall, but ASAP, is a organization that was in the past Do you know about ASAP
2: no so
1: ASAP was all seasons insurance assurance plan not insurance assurance plan and they're similar to LIHEAP and LIHEAP for those that don't know is the acronym is low income home energy I forget their focus is energy assistance program yes yes sorry it's so long (laughs) but their focus is to you know help clients pay their bills who are having too high of bills from right, El genie right. um, but all seasons assurance plan was the same kind of thing but they actually connected project warm we care Elgenie we care and the workshops all in one oh. you couldn't go and sign up for that payment plan unless you were with one of these organizations oh. like if you for example you couldn't if you wanted to sign up with project warm first line okay you'd be eligible for that that. or uh, we care services eligible or if you went to one of the workshops you could you yeah. know be eligible for that but now LIHEAP is not affiliated with me or we care and I'm trying to connect us all back together so that for next season we have one a number of workshops scheduled far in advance and so these LIHEAP clients are able to see those go to those um because again last year it was not like that we're all separated you know I'm, I'm trying to plug things back in but it's taken me a while to get to this place of okay like let's do it you know yeah because um asap i'm not sure you know how they started or what the funding was differently but lie heap is different in that they're just you know by themselves yeah i'm just trying to do a little digging and that's
0: so important. Connect all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds really behind the scenes, but it's so important to, yes. to make these programs work for people.
1: Yeah.
0: And... Boy, what could be more sustainable than helping reduce wasted utilities, right? This yes. is fossil fuel usage that is unnecessary mm-hmm. and doing it especially for the most in-need in people in our communities, right? And and not just through a simple handout of, okay, we'll help you pay your utility bill this month, but we're going to help reduce your utility bills. Yeah, for years all, to come. All the months, for years to come through the work. So that's why this, this is like Project WARM is like, and when I think about like the heart of sustainability, there it mm-hmm. is, right? Um, Um, And I'm so glad to be talking about it today with Courtney McLaughlin. She's uh, the new uh, program manager for Project Warm, started back in July. I haven't mentioned yet, you can learn more at projectwarm.org, or you can give them a call at 502-636-9276, and... The, the extra reason to talk about Project WARM right now is that there are these uh, home energy conservation workshops, energy management workshops scheduled uh, for March 2nd, 16th, and 30th out at the Newburgh Community Center, which is located at 4810 Exeter Avenue. Uh, they are from 1.30 to 2.30 on March 2nd. 16th and 30th, so it's only an hour long, but you do need to register in advance, right? And the way to do that is to give them a call at 502-456-8122, and we will put these details up on the program notes for the podcast version of this show, which you can find at forwardradio.org. What are people going to learn in these energy management workshops?
1: So we go over a few worksheets. One of those is, um, how much do you know about energy management? And just talking about, you know, what do you know, first of all, and having a discussion, a thorough discussion between everybody. Um, it's a, a learning experience of, okay, I, you know, lowering the thermostat. One one thing that people think is a myth is say, okay, wh- well, I do this. Okay, I whenever I go to work, I don't go do it when I go to sleep because I get cold at night and I can't sleep. But whenever I leave for work, I make sure, sure to, to turn the thermostat down 10 right. degrees. Right keep it at 68 when I'm home but then I turn it down to 58 when I leave um longer than 2 hours and when I come home I just turn it back up and people think that that actually sometimes is causing you to burn more energy but it's actually not so just little things like that um using cold water when you wash your clothes yeah, you know that's a huge one. just different things like that because they're essential to know turning your water heater down to 120 or even low yeah at my apartment it was like Burning my it's skin <laughs> off. I'm like it's
0: dangerous.
2: Actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, just things like that because it really does make an impact. And then once we go through those worksheets, well, one isn't uh, about you because we do really need. This is something I'm doing for the future too. We've always asked what their E account number is on their on the about you worksheet, but um, nobody really gives it. So I'm really trying to before i get these signed up let the host sites know this is what we need for the workshop um just so that we can follow up and see the impacts of these workshops oh, cool. yeah um because that's important for funding that's important for everything right to yeah. make sure that they're effective
2: yeah
1: uh, and if they're not to follow up and see what kind of other assistance they need yeah um but i did bring a, a kit here and i know people can't see it but i'll just <laughs> talk about it
0: cool yeah
1: um So, this is backer rod and it's a foam type of rope. And whoever's listening, you just Google backer rod foam rope. And some are different sizes. So, this one's a bigger size. You can cut it if it's too big. Uh And we usually had a smaller one. Um, But you can put this in your exterior doors, in your windows, um, anything that's a bigger crack. To
0: fill those gaps. Yeah. Those gaps are where the Mm -hmm. energy is lost.
1: Yeah. If you feel on your exterior wall, on your outlets too. Oh, yeah. um, you have you can put these unscrew your outlet cover and put these outlet gaskets on there and that's in- an insulated outlet gasket you can put those on your exterior walls only because there's no point in putting it on right, your interior right. wall <laughs> and then this is rope cock it's 30 feet of it and again just google rope cock and you'll see what i'm talking about um, but you can peel it off one by one and it's really easy to insert on your windows as well and of course there's the plastic I do a demonstration of how to put plastic on your windows just so that you know that provides a barrier of insulation even in the summertime
0: yes well if you use air
2: conditioning <laughs> right yeah you
1: want
0: to keep that cold air in if you're if you're air conditioning yes yes yeah this is great so people will be getting these kits if At, they come to the workshop
1: yes sir yes sir and anybody is eligible for a workshop uh, unlike our first line weatherization program, which is you have to be under 200% of the poverty line.
2: Oh. Okay. Depending
1: on how many people are in your house, it's a certain amount. Like, uh, for example, one person in the house, you have to make under twenty-seven thousand something. I forget the actual number. Two people, thirty-six thousand. It just goes up from there depending okay. on the quantity yeah. of people
0: in the house. But these um, are free for everybody. Yes, and workshops. anybody can come. Anybody can come. You don't have to be a homeowner, right? A lot of renters can yes. take it. If you're paying your utility bills, as a renter, why not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get this f- great education for an hour and walk home with the materials to go implement what you learned about in terms of simple weatherization. If you come to any of the energy management workshops taking place March 2nd, 16th, or 30th from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m., at the Newberg Community Center out on Exeter Avenue. Uh, and these are on a Wednesday and, uh, mm-hmm. y- yeah, Wednesdays, right? So people can uh, check that out uh, Wednesday afternoons at the Newberg Community Center. And to learn more and to register, call 502-456-8122. So how do people find their way to Project Warm? Especially, I'm thinking more for the first line where, you, where you're having volunteers come into the home and help people out uh, how do they find their way to you
1: like our clients yeah. who need help yeah A lot of people call in uh, word-of-mouth around the community, and a lot of people, we have a little survey, a little Google form on our website that people can just type in a little bit of their information to see their eligibility, and then we can call and follow up with them. Um, Sometimes I don't have time to do that because of everything going on, but we have a volunteer lately who's been doing it, Um, and it's something that we keep track of uh, and just follow up um, when we see that list. You know, it builds up really fast, especially in the winter.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah, I would imagine. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But um, to answer your question, you know, elsewhere, though, like this on the radio. (laughs) And I just I want to do more outreach and and get the word out in different areas. Like I said, with with building a more thorough partnership with We Care, um, we do get some clients with them other than, you know, building this this. partnership in the future we have still uh the past year gotten some um uh over time and time again a list of clients that they're that they're not eligible for we care so they just pass them along our way so i mean that's a way um but i think word of mouth a lot of the time yeah yeah, just and, calling in.
0: And you were saying how the demand goes way up as the winter's coming on. Oh yeah, on. people
1: forget about us in the summer. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and that's why the timing of the blitz is what it is. You want to talk yes. more about the blitz in November?
1: Yes, sure. So the blitz is. Let's say pre-pandemic, and then I'll talk about well, post-pandemic,
0: yeah. <laughs> because
1: uh, the Blitz pre-pandemic, uh, which hopefully we will get it to pre-pandemic days this year. We'll see. But, you know, it was two weekends in November, so we would get a lot of the same clients that we helped in the past sometimes, or it would be word of mouth um, around the community. We would get those, those clients signed up for, for the Blitz, and they would either have to be disabled or senior, So that's the only eligibility there because the focus is to really help them put up the plastic because they're the ones that need it most. So with our Blitz, let's say in the past it was probably... Uh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. Probably yeah. five. It would vary, but it would be 300 to 500 homes. I remember
0: participating in some of those events, and when the, yeah. all the all the volunteers are assembling at the little check-in, it's just astounding how many people are in that parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So
1: this pat this last November, right? Well, in August, actually, L G E is who you know hosts it for us, right? They're also our our biggest funder, $100,000 a year. Nice. So last year they didn't want to put it on because of COVID. We found that out early on. So we're like, hmm, what can we do to make this safe and also help as many people as we can? And so the thought was to have a drive-through, so to speak, have the volunteers come and pick up the kits, and then drop them off um, through it was one day just so we'd be safe because we didn't have a blitz in 2020 right
2: right. so
1: we were just wanting to be safe and make sure that this was a success Um, and so that's what we did we did it at youth build and so they all the volunteers came and drove around they got their food (laughs) and they got the kits and they were on their merry way and dropped them off and so the folks that were I asked the volunteers to, you know, send me pictures of the sheets that the client signed yeah. just so that we get, you know, confirmation that it was delivered. And if it, the p- person wasn't home, then they just send a picture of it at the door. And so for this next year, I hope we can do it as normal. And if we do, I think that it still will be at Youth Build in that more efficient way because it was so efficient. I oh, mean, good. it was like an hour and a half. Wow. But – Like, you know, the old way everybody's crowding around all cold and like, I'm tired of this. Let's go. Let's go help people. So, I'm thinking that this year, it's like, okay, come pick up your buckets. And you'll get a list of places to mm -hmm, go. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be more efficient. They can get their food and then just go, rather than everybody just stand around all cold. I mean, who wants to do that?
0: (laughs) And Blitz volunteers usually sign up in a small team, right?
1: Yes, yes. So we have some trainings beforehand. We didn't have to do trainings before last time because it was just dropping off a kit. But if we do the Blitz as normal, there will be some trainings beforehand that the teams learn how to put up the plastic um, you know some safety things and then also just conscientious things how to um, handle certain situations
0: sure because you're you're going into people's homes it can be kind of intimate (laughs) yes
1: and sometimes people have a lot of stuff and moving that and just you know learning how to handle certain situations yeah
0: and if volunteers identify things like oh this place we put up the plastic but there's also this hole in the wall or something like that can, can they note that down and project warm follows up
1: yes exactly we will unless they've you know been in our program uh the past three years
0: oh okay Mm -hmm. okay Great. Well, look for that in November. Uh, yes. But in the meantime, <laughs> volunteers are always accepted for the ongoing work of yes. the first line project, right? Yes,
1: especially on Thursdays and we will need more Fridays starting in April because right now we have Urban Conservation Corps of Youth Build who's helping nice. out on Fridays. And so that's been awesome. And then Thursdays we're still trying to get youth build construction students to help out too. Oh, but yeah. they have their own stuff going on and it's just hard. Because they were gonna help us out, but they've have trainings and all this stuff. So that I think they're gonna help out in March. But if they don't, I mean, that's because they got a ton of other stuff to do. <laughs>
0: that's right. So that's right. We've had Youth Build on the show before, but do uh, you want to talk a little bit about what they do?
1: Yeah. So Youth Build is, you know, focused on really helping young adults um, have a. a you know, a future and just getting them their GEDs. And then also there's different programs that youth build has.
0: Trades, different yeah, trades. That get different trades. Yeah.
1: Different trades. Um, I think there's, there's a nursing program that's upstairs. Oh, really? Urban conservation Corps has AmeriCorps, um, Corps members that help with that program and they do a bunch of urban agriculture uh, initiatives and then they also like do you know urban gardening and helping out with food pantries doing the nice. farmer's market they are raising a bunch of vegetables and fruits and raising chickens
0: and then they're also helping project warm
1: yes
2: that's yes. great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there's that, and then there's construction, which they, you know, do construction yeah. in a bunch of different homes and yeah. throughout the city, and what else? They just have a, a ton of different stuff, and their their focus is connecting them with, with resources so that they are— They are plugged into all these people and people that care about them and want them to succeed. Um, That's like the whole point. And just giving them a a family, you know, to fall back on people who are really lost. I mean, sometimes they have a family member that has passed or just any traumatizing kind of situation. And, And YouthBuild really wants to help connect everybody and just give them those resources and support to help them keep going.
0: Well, it's it's mm-hmm. a great program, and it sounds like a wonderful collaboration to, with Project Warm, but mm-hmm. like you say, they're already pretty busy, so it's, yes. it's funny that um, we're trying to add this new layer to what they do, but hey, <laughs> th- it's a great opportunity. Um, so if folks want to learn more about Project Warm and how to get involved, you can either go to projectwarm.org or find them on Facebook at Project Warm Louisville. I'm speaking today with the program manager from Project Warm, Courtney McLaughlin. She started... Back in July and uh, finally getting her feet under her and uh, and making plans for these upcoming energy management workshops that are going to be taking place at the Newberg Community Center in March. Um, So have you all done sort of a, a demographic study of who your clients are? If you were to describe like the kind of people like I mentioned homeowners versus renters, for example, is it more of one or the other?
1: Um. Throughout my experience so far this past year, um, we really get a mix of everybody. Really? I would say that it, you know obviously low income is the eligibility requirement for first line Mm -hmm. Um, but we do get a lot of you know people who with disabilities and sometimes we have veterans i would say well according to last year's uh, demographics (laughs) uh, 68 percent blacks and then 28 percent white and then the other was others
0: wow yeah and and all over the county or do you serve beyond the county
1: no, we just serve just Jefferson in Jefferson County. County. Okay. But, I mean, if people wanted to, outside of Jefferson County, come to the workshop, I mean, by all means.
0: That's right. That's <laughs> right. You don't have to live in Jefferson County to come to one of these workshops taking place at the Newberg Community Center. That's, that's a great mm-hmm. thing to point out. So you have ideas about where this program could evolve in the future. You want to talk a little bit more about where it might go, where Project Warm might go.
1: You know, in my conversation with Brian, who is the We Care program manager, I just wanted to be on the same page about what WeCare offers. They mm. offer more insulation, attic insulation. They offer wall insulation. They subcontract out to be able to uh, repair water heaters or repair furnaces. Oh, really? They can replace fridges. They can, I mean, they have uh, a much bigger budget for each client. Wow. Um, so they're able to do a lot more than we are. So,
0: And that's also free for people under a certain income.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, and so my and I wanted to be on the same page because I had some people call in and say, oh, I was referred to you by we care because uh, you all do insulation and they don't. And uh, I got a couple people that said oh. that. So I was like, hmm, I wonder why people are saying that. So I really wanted to be on the same page. And um, he was saying, you know. They do. And it's just—it probably was a confusion because um, they have home assessments just like we do. Some people aren't eligible for just any type of thing. The assessment has to be done to see what type of work needs to be done. So, I mean, that lady could have had some rules or, you know, someone— figured out somewhere, somehow, that she couldn't have this type of insulation. I mean, you know, anything could have happened, and I, you know. And so then at that point, the person would have said, okay, maybe Project Warm can help you, but we don't, you know. It's just, you don't know what happened. But now I'm on the same page for what they can do, so I'm trying to figure out maybe Project Warm should subcontract out uh-huh. because we have a lot of the same, like, Especially throughout the winter time, just so often people saying, "Oh, my my furnace doesn't work," and it's just very sad because what are we gonna do to help them feel warm in their house if their furnace is out? I and mean, maybe it
0: just needs to be cleaned or right. maintained in some way, or the right. filter replaced. And
1: again, that's why the workshops are so important because knowing how to change your own filter can save your furnace from you know just. Totally going out, which is a lot problem a lot of time.
0: And a clogged filter also makes it less energy efficient. Yes, maybe maybe you're still getting the warmth out of it, but it's taking a lot more work, burning a lot more fossil fuels, destroying our global future quicker. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) just to heat your home, right? And so a simple act like. Cleaning or replacing your filter Mm -hmm. uh, can help with energy efficiency as well as comfort, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and some filters, you know, you can change monthly. A lot of people say they're all monthly, but it depends on the thickness. So some are two to three months, and some are... Like six months to a year if they're really thick. Yeah. But mostly time they are monthly. Yeah. So a lot of people forget to do that. I need to change mine right now, actually.
0: <laughs> As a matter of fact.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah.
0: I like the the reusable ones that you can clean out. Okay. Um, that's the one the kind we've been using for a while, and uh, I probably don't.
1: you clean it it with the
0: hose? Yeah, I take it outside with a hose, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh And it's amazing what comes out of there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I imagine with COVID, there's been more uh, HEPA filter kind of level... I don't know, going on in people's homes, certainly in businesses and mm-hmm. and uh, nonprofits and things like that. They've been trying to improve the air quality indoors and catch some of these viruses. So mm-hmm. your HVAC system is a central part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason to talk so much about the heating and ventilation system is because it is the biggest energy hog in a home. Yes. It, it kind of goes ignored. Uh, because you know we see the lights, we're looking at the toaster. It's right in front of us, yeah. but behind the walls and down in the basement yeah. is this is this Don't ignore fire, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> that's really using a lot of energy over the year. Uh, but your your energy management workshops touch on other things as well, right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And I did want to mention too that I forgot there's a little fire safety kit oh, in the ooh. in the kits too, and so that has a pot holder and oven stick, and then information on how to get a fire or smoke alarm um, delivered to you if you need one oh, cool. um, from 311. So they send those out if oh, you really? need. They don't send out carbon monoxide detectors, but they will send out that. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately they don't. But.
0: but that's something people could buy locally in a hardware store. Why, why would I want one? Does every home need one?
1: Uh, a smoke alarm or a carbon... carbon
0: monoxide?
1: Um, yes, you should have one in every room in the house, um, wow. but especially in the kitchen, Um, because that's where... Well, especially if you have a gas stove, you know, um, anything gas-related, that's where it can seep through and, yeah. Um, Because
0: it's a product of the the combustion of, mm-hmm. of your natural gas furnace or yes. stove or something like that and mm-hmm. um, it's not something we can smell right
1: right yeah you can't see it you can't sense it period right, right. so yeah and it can kill you but another thing you. we talk about
0: it'll <laughs> and it'll make you drowsy and you'll just feel sleepy and suddenly you, mm. you're you're dead because of this carbon <laughs> monoxide buildup in your home so having a simple uh, monitor just like a smoke alarm well mm-hmm. with smoke we can usually smell it and see it and take action right so yeah. it's almost more important. I think to have a carbon monoxide detector yeah. and radon is a similar thing too. radon can build up in your home and give you cancer and stuff like that. So having these detectors is really valuable. Yeah. What other kind of energy efficiency stuff do you learn about in these workshops?
1: Um, so I would say definitely the, the thermostat changing your furnace filter, the washer um, mm. just not, Limiting your shower time. Mm. Um, I would say you can install actually a programmable thermostat if you prefer to, because that does the work for you. I I just, I rent, so I don't want to fool with it.
2: but you know well my
0: schedule's so inconsistent that yeah. uh, my wife and I aren't like always home at the same time so we just keep we have a programmable thermostat but honestly every every different setting is all at the same degree and we just come home and turn it on and it doesn't take our house very long yeah. to warm up it does
1: mine cuz i have super high ceilings oh, like way higher than
0: yeah. this oh yeah yep oh god yep <laughs> and my
1: partner hates it he's just like what are
0: you ugh. Do you talk about ceiling fans ever as a oh, solution? Oh yes,
1: thank you. Yes, so even whenever, you know, um which you could just listen to this and so coming down <laughs> to <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, it's but, right here on forward radio. <laughs> um,
1: if you turn on a ceiling fan even when the heat's on, if you're not right directly under it, of course you're if you're right under it, you're gonna feel cold. But if you're not under it and you have the ceiling fan on, it can actually move the heat around in your house and heat your house up better.
0: Right. Um, right. So
1: that definitely helps your your you know, your heat not just going out the window, it would probably circulate throughout the your home more rather than seeping through the cracks
0: well in ceiling fans a lot of people don't realize have a winter setting and a summer setting so it changes Mm -hmm. the direction that the ceiling fan spins so it's either pulling it up or drawing it down based Mm -hmm. on the season Mm -hmm. so yeah these are these are helpful little tips that you might not even think about like i actually have the warm air i need in this room it's just naturally because of physics it's up at the top of the room and i need it down here and a ceiling fan can help with that Mm -hmm. um do you ever talk about heat pumps
1: Heat pumps, no. But, I mean, we should. Right. That's another technology
0: that kind of moves the heat around in a home to where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, there's renewable energy systems, which are probably beyond the means of most of your clients. But maybe some of our listeners could consider if they're thinking about reducing their utility bill and their reliance on fossil fuels. Uh, I mean, geothermal would be the ideal way to go Mm -hmm. where you're tapping the constant temperature of the earth. Uh, But there's also, you know, solar systems that can help.
1: What's geothermal?
0: Geothermal is, we have a system at our student rec center at mm-hmm. UofL uh, where we've drilled, uh, and for that pretty large facility, it wouldn't be this big for a home, but for a large facility like that we've drilled 180 wells down to 400 feet deep and we run a a coolant through that piping uh, Mm -hmm. to to tap the constant temperature of the earth. It's always 55 degrees once you get a few feet down. And so essentially you're having to, in the winter, warm uh, from 55 to whatever you want the building to be, 65, 75. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's much more efficient than taking in the the raw cold air that might be 20 degrees outside right mm-hmm. and then in the summer you're bringing in 55 degree air on a nice hot day wow that's great yeah right? <laughs> that's awesome
1: well so, cool i yeah, didn't know about that yeah i just wanted to ask a and the Gold
0: house downtown is mm-hmm. also a geothermal i think i've heard they use actually the river water uh instead of groundwater or tapping in in creating these uh, closed loop systems like we have at U but some homeowners have put in geothermal with great success. I mean, in a really dense urban environment, it's hard to find the space to do it, but if mm-hmm. you have more of a suburban home that has uh, space, then it's, it's, it's easy to do. Uh, it's an investment, right? It's an investment mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I'm so glad for project warm and, and let's, let's end to just talking about how, again, how people can support the program mm-hmm. and, 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 where does the funding come from? You mentioned L G E, but mm-hmm. Kentucky Colonels also gave a yes. contribution, right?
1: Yes, Kentucky Colonels um, did last year, uh, and Louisville Metro has uh, the external agency fund has in the past. Oh, they didn't give okay. us it in 2021 20, year now because of 2020s reports um, and us not being able to, you know, help.
2: Well, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: And, but now we just applied for seventy-five thousand for Louisville Metro, and. Kentucky Colonels again and we just got our check from lg oh, so Nice, nice. We're good. <laughs> and
0: individuals can always fund yes, the organization, yes. right? Um, yes. Are there any special events that you do with donors?
1: In the past we did uh, Green Spark Awards. That's
0: right. That's what I'm thinking
1: so about. So yeah. I didn't do it last year because I, I came in July so I need to figure COVID. out <laughs> how that goes and all that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to do something again.
0: Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. And so so volunteer, donate, go to projectwarm.org to mm-hmm. learn more and get engaged in this really important organization.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the air, Courtney. and. Welcome to Louisville. I guess you're, you. you're starting to really settle in, right? Yes, I'm
1: starting to settle in, and I'm having a game night this, this oh, Friday. Oh, great. And I'm just so excited. <laughs> Kenyatta's coming, too. Oh, good.
0: Yes, I was, <laughs> I was mentioning earlier that our former guest on the show, Kenyatta, is, yeah. is they're friends with Courtney, so that's cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the air, and have a great game night. Thank you.
2: <laughs>
0: All right. Stay tuned, friends. Coming up in just a minute, it's your Community Action Calendar. Yes, even this week. There are all kinds of ways for you to get engaged in sustainability right here in Louisville. So stay tuned, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Forward Radio.
2: Music coming rolling like a river, so it seems keep living in this crazy world where love is what we need. See so it coming up on the mountain, and I look down to the sea. I took a breath of and a breath of peace and a breath for my friends and family. Run through all the trials. Every day and every night Spread that love around
0: We are back here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg. Hope you've got your calendars out and your pencils sharpened. This is your week for action for sustainability right here in Louisville. You can all be a part of it today, my friends. Coming up on Tuesday, March 1st at 4 p.m., we invite you to join us online for the University of Louisville's Sustainability Roundtable. takes place every other week. And this week at 4 p.m. online, we'll hear from Lauren Anderson of the Green Heart Project. You can join the L Sustainability Council for our Spring Sustainability Roundtable series on alternate Tuesdays at 4 p.m. for an hour. And our featured speaker on March 1st will be Lauren Anderson, Research Manager at UofL's Center for Healthy Air, Water, and Soil in the Christina Lee Brown Envirome Institute at the School of Medicine. Lauren holds a master's degree in public administration from the University of Louisville and is a research management professional as a program manager for the Envirome and Center Center for Healthy Air, Water, and Soil, Lauren specializes in leading collaborative teams through community-facing projects and clinical trials. She has a particular interest in project communication and research translation with a focus on environmental and well-being research. Lauren has managed portfolios for the Institute for Healthy Air, Water and Soil, a Louisville-based environmental nonprofit, as well as the Louisville Metro Department of Public Health and Wellness. Prior to joining Public Health, Lauren worked for Louisville Metro Community Services and received her BA from Transylvania University in Lexington. She'll be speaking on Tuesday about Greenheart Louisville, a project of Uval's Environment Institute that is using Southside neighborhoods of Louisville as a living laboratory to explore the effect of planting trees and increasing green space on neighborhood air quality and human health with the goal of developing a green print for cre- creating healthier neighborhoods. Learn more on Tuesday. No pre-registration is required. You can find the link to join at 4 p.m. on Tuesday at louisville.edu sustainability also at uofl coming up on wednesday march 2nd it is the final film in the uofl black film festival On Wednesday, March 2nd, screenings will be at 5 and 7.30 p.m. in the Student Activity Center up on the third floor in the Floyd Theater. It's free and open to the public. Floyd Theater partnering with multiple organizations on campus for this series of films chronicling the history of black cinema from the silent era to today. And you can get all the details at events.louisville.edu. But just so you know, March 2nd is the screening of In the Heat of the Night, Star Sydney Sidney Poitier as Virgil Tibbs, a black detective, sent to investigate a murder in a southern town, clashing with racists and suspects along the way. It's a great film on March 2nd, either at 5 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. in the Sack Floyd Theater at UofL. Now, also on Wednesday, March 2nd at 6 p.m. at UofL in the Belknap Academic uh, Building, room 218 or online via Zoom, it's a great talk called Racialized Burdens, Applying Racialized Organization Theory to the Administrative State. Department of Sociology's 2022 John H. Rieger Speaker Series will be hosting Dr. Victor Ray, Associate Professor of Sociology and Criminology and African American Studies at the University of Iowa and a non-resident fellow at the Brookings Institute. His research applies critical race theory to classic sociological questions. In his talk, Dr. Ray will develop the concept of racialized burdens as a means of examining the role of race in administrative practice. Racialized burdens are the experience of learning, compliance, and psychological costs, which serve as inequality reproducing mechanisms. To develop this concept, he examines the role of administrative burdens in the U.S. state from the theoretical perspective of racialized organizations. Using examples from attempts to access citizenship rights via immigration, voting, and the social safety net, he illustrates these key points. First, racial Racialized burdens combine access to resources and ideas about racial groups in ways that typically disadvantaged racially marginalized groups. Second, while still promising fair and equal treatment, racially disproportionate burdens can be laundered through facially neutral rules and via claims that burdens are necessary for unrelated reasons. Third, racialized burdens emerge when more explicit forms of racial bias in policies or administrative practices become illegal politically untenable or culturally unacceptable racialized burdens neatly carry out the how in the production of racial inequality while concealing or providing an alibi for the why this event is free and open to the public but registration is required for those wishing to attend via zoom online please register Through the link you can find at louisville.edu slash sustainability. If you wish to attend in person at the Belknap Academic Building Room 218 on Wednesday at 6 p.m., you can email nancy.price at louisville.edu to register. We hope to see you on Wednesday at 6 p.m. for this really timely and important talk that actually discusses critical race theory instead of something people think it is. Now, coming up on March 2nd as well at 7 p.m. at the Northeast Regional Library, it's the Free Public Library's Authors at the Library series with Kentucky native Lee Cole speaking at 7 p.m. at the Northeast Regional Library. Join us for a reading and conversation with Lee Cole and University of Louisville Associate Professor and Director of Creative Writing Ian Stanzel as they discuss Lee's debut novel, Groundskeeping. It's an indelible love story about two very different people navigating the entanglements of class and identity and coming of age in an American in America coming apart at the seams you can register for Wednesdays 7 p.m. talk at the Northeast Regional Library at LFPL dot O-R-G. and their next talk will be on march 10th starring civil rights lawyer and professor dan cannon who you may have read in the leo as well so i'll be announcing that next week but uh, keep, put that on your calendar for march 10th I've already mentioned it before, but if uh, you're a faster reader than I am, uh, you can still get in on the Louisville Climate Action Network's book club. They're going to be meeting on Thursday, March 3rd, to discuss the climate conscious gardener from the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. They'll be doing that virtually at 7 p.m. on March 3rd. It's only 112 pages of practical ideas and advice you can use, whether you grow fruits and vegetables, flowers or trees and shrubs. Get reading now and be ready for this fantastic Conversation on March 3rd. And if you're not already an LCAN Book Club member, just complete the online form at LouisvilleCAN.org for Climate Action Network, LouisvilleCAN.org to receive a login link for attending the discussion. On Friday, March 4th, we're inviting you back to UofL at 1 p.m. for a seed-starting workshop. We're going to do it in the greenhouse behind Urban and Public Affairs on the northwest corner of campus at 426 West Bloom Street. Get a jump start on your food garden this year and join us in the greenhouse at the Urban and Public Affairs Garden. To learn about starting seeds, why you do it, save money, get better results, and make the most of the growing season. Learn how and why to start seeds early with this hands-on workshop. You can feel free to bring your own seeds to start and take home uh, to your windowsill, perhaps. Or help us start some seeds that we're planting out in our campus gardens. This workshop will be read by the amazing Bethany Pratt, former guest on this program and a member of Forward Radio's proud community partner the urban agriculture coalition she's horticulture agent education agent for the jefferson county cooperative extension and you can learn more about this event at louisville.edu sustainability but you don't need to register anything you can just show up at 1 p.m on friday at the urban and public affairs greenhouse behind the building at 426 west bloom street just west of 4th street there in old louisville speaking of old louisville I'm going to be helping lead uh, some tree planting groups in Old Louisville along with our neighbors on Saturday, March 5th from 9 a.m. to noon. We're going to meet up at the Third Avenue Baptist Church there, 1726 South Third Street, just north of Cardinal Town and the Old Louisville Neighborhood Council and the L Sustainability Council are inviting all volunteers to help restore the urban canopy on the northern edge of L's campus. We'll be planting 50 deciduous shade trees along the street with our neighbors at various locations between Cardinal Boulevard and Hill Street. Volunteers should gather outside 3rd Avenue Baptist Church, which is right there at 3rd and Bloom Street to be assigned to a small tree planting team. The Will be donuts, coffee, and hot chocolate and light breakfast items available just prior to 9 a.m. when work will begin. And then if you stick around through till noon, you'll enjoy a pizza and chili lunch uh, after the trees are planted. All are welcome. No pre-registration is necessary and tools are provided. Of course, you can also bring your own shovels and gloves. This is not an event where the holes are pre-dug. We will be digging in the dirt. It's a great chance to and satisfying work to help restore Louisville's urban canopy. Questions can be directed to Herb Fink at 502-552-0399 and more information is at louisville.edu sustainability. But I hope to see you out there on Saturday the 5th at 9 a.m. at 3rd Avenue Baptist Church to start the work. If it is raining or otherwise horrible, awful weather that morning, we'll be doing it on March 12th. But right now the forecast looks pretty good, so I hope to see you this Saturday the 5th at 9 a.m. And on Sunday, March 6th, it's the Brightside Sweep & Sip with cleanup starting at 11.30 a.m. at Noble Funk Brewing at 922 South 2nd Street. Brightside's Sweep & Sip events is are back for 2022, and they're kicking off a year of cleaning and supporting our local breweries this Sunday at Noble Funk. Come meet us at Louisville's newest brewery in Old Louisville. It's in the former 2nd Street Kroger location. And get ready to help us keep Louisville litter free. Don't forget to invite your family and friends to enjoy some refreshing drinks afterwards. Also, a special thanks to our March volunteer group, the Young Professional Association of Louisville, for their participation and support. Each brewery offers a special for volunteers following the cleanup, so don't miss it. You can get more information at Brightside Inc. That's Brightside I N C dot And we hope to see you Sunday the 6th at 11 30. 30 a.m. at Noble Funk Brewing in the old 2nd Street Kroger's. Also on Sunday, another tree planting opportunity. You can join me along with the Metro Parks and Division of Community Forestry for a tree planting from 1 to 4 p.m. on Sunday the 6th. Along East Jefferson Street, we're going to be meeting up at 720 East Jefferson Street at 1 p.m. to plant about 50 trees. You can register at tinyurl.com slash louurbanforestry-volunteer, L-O-U, urbanforestry-volunteer, or by using the My Impact app, and you can find the link for that at bestparksever.com. And we hope to see you this Sunday the 6th from 1 to 4 p.m. on East Jefferson Street, also restoring the urban canopy. UVL will be hosting a Social Justice Youth Summer Camp this summer, and there will be a virtual parent interest meeting on Monday, March 7th at 6 p.m. Consider registering your young leaders in grades four through twelve in the Social Justice Youth Summer Camp presented by UVL's Cultural and Equity Centers. The camp runs from July 25th to 29th for one week of exploring truth as participants develop into social justice warriors for self and society. This year's theme is America's Pathology, Education, Liberation, and Action. The camp will explore topics of diversity, inclusion, equity, and justice, all while engaging the communi- with community peers and staff from the University of Louisville. We hope to build a community of youth who are students for activism, striving for advocacy, and screaming for action. Applications will be due April 29th, and there will be a- this virtual parent interest meeting on March 7th, Monday at 6 p.m. You can find more information. Information at louisville.edu slash diversity. And then on Tuesday, March 8th in the morning at 9.30 a.m., Americana Community Center is having an International Women's Day Breakfast Briefing at the table, 1800 Portland Avenue. Americana is excited to invite you to join their International Women's Day Breakfast Briefing on Tuesday morning. Their annual panelist event is an exclusive opportunity to hear from the women of Louisville's international community. The panelists will be Wawa Nuit of La Perla Nails, Elizabeth Cazito of Kazito's Cookies, Haja Kamara of Safi of America, and Giselle Malone of Survivors of Torture Services Family Health Center. The panel will be moderated by Dr. Gull Marshall of U of L Sociology. Join us for a discussion on how the pandemic has impacted the international community, their families, careers, and communities. During the panel, they'll be serving a light breakfast provided by the table and Sunergloss coffee. You can find the link to RSVP at Facebook. Dot com slash Americana Community Center. And again, it's at 930 on Tuesday, March 8th. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and joining me this day. And I will be back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well.
2: we going to set them free, here. Yeah.